Hello and welcome back to Chasing Perfection, a UConn women's basketball podcast. We are closing in on the start of the season. First night happened. That was last Friday. Big East Media Day is a week from Tuesday, meaning October 24th, depending on when you listen to this. And it's pretty much three full weeks remaining until we get into the first UConn game week. So it is painfully close. Less than a month in. Megan, how are you feeling about the dawn of a new season being right around the corner? I'm very excited about the season starting. A little bit stressed about the amount I need to get done before the season starts. <laughs> yeah, it it's usually... Most of the summer, I do not spend much time waiting for women's basketball to get here. Right. Or this, either season that I cover, uh, hockey included. I, I don't spend much time being like, oh man... It's 85 degrees out, sunny. I'm sitting by a lake. I'm sitting on the beach. You know what I want right now? 35 degree days where I'm working 12 hours a day, six days a week. I need that right now. No, I'm not there. But usually like a month before I start to get the excitement for it when it all really ramps up. And I am not 100% of the way there for women's basketball, but I am certainly getting a lot more close. I, I feel some excitement for it. So I think that's always a good sign at the start of a new year, being excited to see what happens. Yeah, exactly. I feel like it helps that it's like getting dark at 6 p.m. now, and I'm like, okay, I'm ready to be inside and sit on the couch and watch a lot of basketball. Right. Especially because I don't know how much longer we have until daylight savings ends, but it can't be that much longer where basically you wake up you get going, have lunch, and then the sun is already like almost set, and it's two yep. o'clock. <laughs> the worst, the worst yeah. time of the year. <laughs> Supposedly, they're getting rid of not daylight savings time. They're staying on daylight savings time. I would prefer that. Nobody cares if it's light out at exactly six a.m. in the morning. Right. I agree. I, I hope that is actually happening. It would make me much happier if it was not dark at 4 p.m. all winter. Yeah. That is like a very underrated aspect of winter in Connecticut, though, is like, truly, what would we do without UConn basketball? Both of <laughs> yeah, very true. <laughs> like, I am as much of a Connecticut promoter as anyone, but my God. If there was no basketball in the winter, then it would be a really, really long few months. Yeah, or even the was... years that the men were just god-awful there. So essentially my college career. Those were long winters. <laughs> yeah, I would have to like learn how to ski, even though I'm petrified of being on skis or something. <laughs> I would get really into like some obscure hobby. <laughs> just become a hermit never come out of my house so first night was friday the only real major thing of note that came out of it was that Paige beckers is hurt again not as bad as before but she has a jammed thumb it was taped up it was taped up when the ncaa crew was there i believe that was on tuesday then it was still taped up, according to the Twitter and Instagram videos from Mark D'Amelio, when he DJed at Ted's, and the entire team was there. So the tape was still there. What a statement. 
<laughs> sentences I did not think we would have to be saying on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, imagine. <laughs> what did I graduate? Even like 2020, probably, right? When did TikTok get bigger? Yeah. <laughs> I have no idea when uh, Dixie and Charlie like blew up on TikTok. I think but... it was like 2020 when everyone was locked in their houses and had nothing to do but watch TikTok. <laughs> right. So, like, let's pick let's just pick 2016 as a nice number the last national championship ignoring the fact that that season is now going to be eight years away um telling someone that this random family that was from connecticut their dad is going to become like the most public facing donor for yukon athletics and was going to be djing at ted's with the entire women's basketball team there and just having someone from that time process what any of that meant yeah um i was a senior then and i could tell you i would not have been able to process that (laughs) yeah yeah it's it the it it's a very just like a very entertaining development (laughs) there's nothing wrong with it he's doing good stuff for the school uh all promotion is good promotion it doesn't hurt to have two extremely non-problematic tiktokers yeah be connected to your school always wearing yukon stuff so very bizarre but very good but back to Paige's thumb gino said that they're hoping it's minor she hadn't been practicing but if today it's still being monday it still wasn't better they were going to take a closer look at it we obviously haven't heard anything hopefully that doesn't mean that we put this out and then a minute later we get the dreaded email about it I'm not going to put that into the universe. I I imagine it's fine. They're just being overly cautious. Jammed thumbs really hurt. During my illustrious two-week stint as a practice player on the UConn women's soccer team, I was a goalie. I was warming up my first day there, and I jammed my thumb on, like, the third ball. Or not my thumb, one of my fingers on, like, the third ball that I got during warm-ups and thought it was going to need to be amputated. Um <laughs> then COVID put an end to all of that but jammed thumbs hurt it's not her shooting thumb so i think as long as it's not broken or there's no like major tendon problem anything that would keep her out a significant amount of time i can't imagine that it's going to affect her too much yeah i think if all goes well this will be just a, a distant thought by the time the season starts it won't matter yeah until then just put page in bubble wrap yeah (laughs) like what is it the bubble boy in seinfeld put her in a bubble don't let her out of it like it can be a big bubble rent out like a gym somewhere she can just stay in the gym the whole time she can practice there gotta keep her healthy somehow because (laughs) i don't know if gino's spiritual beads are working if she's already got a minor injury Maybe he needed to buy two sets of spiritual beads. If you don't know what I'm talking about, go read the last version of the free weekly at the UConn Women's Basketball Weekly.com, UConnWBB.com. Shameless self promotion there. We'll have a full ad later. Don't you worry. But (laughs) yeah, not, not a great start to full practice. And since we're in this time of year, it is the preseason awards time. And on Monday, the Nancy Lieberman Award watch list came out. 20 players tabbed as candidates to be the best point guard in the country. 
Nico Mule, as she should be, is on the list. One name that isn't, Paige Beckers. Casually, the 2021 Lieberman Award. So there's been two award winners since. Obviously, she was hurt last year, but not having her on at all is quite an omission. Yeah, it's a, it's a good way to make your list look not very credible. It's <laughs> to leave arguably the you know best second best player in the country off the list for point top point guards is is something else. Yeah, and we're probably going to see Beckers off the ball a lot more than we did her freshman year just considering the development that Nika Mules played. The way that Gino's talked about the role that Nika will have on this team it doesn't seem like there's that much of a question about, you know, is Nika going to get phased out with Paige back, KK in? I, it sounds like she's going to play not similar minutes because she had the third most minutes played in the country last year, but she's going to be in that top group of UConn players where when the game's on the line, there's five minutes left and it's a two possession game. Nika's going to be on the floor for those. But Paige is still a point guard. She doesn't have to play point guard to still be a point guard. And I guess we could have a conversation. I don't feel like it, but we could have a conversation about how much are these positions, do they really matter? But Paige is certainly a lot more of a point guard than she is any other type of position. Yeah, exactly. Even with her Nika playing probably side by side quite a bit, I would still label her as a point guard. And she should still, as someone that won the award, two years ago absolutely be on the, the preseason list so i'm sure she'll be on there by the time the midseason list comes out but it just seems awfully silly to not yeah, have no her on the preseason. yeah no disrespect to the people that are on that list but if you're telling me like the last 10 people that you put on that list are as good as page even not at 100 percent then you did not watch the 2022 NCAA tournament where Paige was not herself and still basically single-handedly carried UConn to the Final Four during that NC State game. Exactly, yeah. And, uh, as good as a lot of the players are on this list, and obviously a lot of them, they all deserve to be there, there's just no argument that she's not a top-20 point guard in the country. Yeah, and I have a feeling it's probably going to look like that for all the preseason national player of the year awards what is there the wooden the oh, yeah. Smith. i'm curious what if she lands on an all-american like a preseason all-american team does she make it because of what she's done in the past do people need to wait to see how healthy she looks if she's gonna stay healthy does this thumb thing even scare people off i think that's gonna be a really interesting measure of how people are feeling about Paige going into this yeah, I do expect her to be on like the preseason like wooden awards and that kind of thing because I feel like there's always multiple players from each school on the top schools on that. So I feel like it's less likely that she'll get overlooked there. But agreed, it'll be interesting, I think, on the All-American list to see kind of how people treat her in injury history and if they put her there or not. I mean, it feels like she should be there. Like, I don't think anyone would say that if she's healthy she's not a top five player in the country it seems like a wild take but you never know yeah i'm not sure how many i'm not sure there's even five that would be yeah, better than her right exactly <laughs> you could probably make a good argument for 
like a, a a legitimate argument for what three like she's the third best when fully healthy yeah who are you putting ahead of her caitlin clark and cameron brink yeah probably like i i think there's a handful of players you could make an argument for yeah. on their own but i'm not sure five or i guess it would be four total players you could say well all things equal agreed i imagine az ends up on the shooting guard list it would mm-hmm. be pretty surprising if she didn't Aaliyah on the power forward list because she's more of a power forward than a center i don't know if they would aubrey end up on a small forward list maybe I think it's possible. I also think you could see Caroline Ducharme on a small forward list. Wouldn't be surprised to see that either. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see at least one of those two on the small forward list. I feel like with Caroline, it's just been so long since she's been an impact player on a consistent basis that she would be in people's minds. Yeah, but I think she was on the preseason or the like preseason list last year, so. From that regard, if people are starting from that, she's likely to end up on it. That's true. Like, okay, this she was on it last year. Oh, she's another year older. That means she'll probably be on it again. Okay. Yeah. I can see that happening. Yeah, and like Ice being basically a freshman, I doubt she makes it. I bet she could be on like the midseason list mm-hmm. for, I don't know, wherever you want to put her, power forward and center. I don't know how much of there, there is a difference for UConn, at least, they more just play with two post players than one, than having arbitrary titles being power forward and center, right? Yeah, I think that's the struggle with some of these lists, too, is, like, who actually plays with, like, a true point guard, shooting guard, small forward, power forward, center? Like, I think it kind of is a mix at most places, especially at the college level. So I think that's... Obviously, there's cases where people are egregiously assigned to the wrong list, but... I think a lot of the confusion around where people should go comes from the fact that most schools don't play a true, like traditional set of players in that regard. Yeah, there's the peop- there's the egregiously assigned people and the egregiously awarded people as when Gabby Williams won the award for the best small forward in the country, <laughs> when despite being five foot eleven, she was without a shadow of a doubt UConn's center. Yep. <laughs> And at the very least, she was the power forward, but she was, in no sense of the position, a small forward. (laughs) Exactly. So yeah, it's always interesting to see where people get slated. Very excited for Enish Betancourt, Lisa Leslie Award. (laughs) Wouldn't that be something? (laughs) Speaking of the guards, I am writing something on nika's role for next year and i came across this fun stat that is if you take the career games that she's played in 92 that is more than every single other point guard on the roster Paige beckers has 36 edish has played in 11 fewer games in her career than Paige, which is mind-boggling <laughs> then Obviously, K.K. Arnold hasn't played in a game as a freshman. So Nika has played in more games than the three of them combined, which shows you how experienced Nika is and how much Paige has been injured 
on top of the COVID season being a thing too. That was the only full season she was healthy for, and they played about 10 fewer games than they normally would. Yeah, I was going to say the fact that, you know, she's only played like 11 fewer games than than Paige is a little disheartening to think about. (laughs) Yes, ideally that gap widens this year, but at the same time, if they both play in every single game, I think things are going pretty well for UConn. Yeah, I think if you know she's the court in every single game, the, either something has gone horribly wrong or UConn's doing pretty well. <laughs> Look, I don't want to jinx things, but they had a single point guard last year, and she still only played in 25 games. So I think we're talking about like catastrophic, yeah, <laughs> program altering. Not just talking about injuries here for that to be happening. Yeah. Very true. (laughs) Or they're just beating by everyone by 20. (laughs) Yes, yes, precisely. That the classic, who are the two, the two walk-ons, Tierney Lawler and why am I blanking on her name? The kid from Florida, Brianna Polito. Yes. They probably had more minutes than some like legitimate players on UConn teams of yonder year. (laughs) yep so speaking of the point guard position though to get into that i think nika's role on this team is really interesting because you look at her two two of her best skills are passing and defense Paige is obviously a very capable passer and kk arnold arnold is going to be a really good defender she showed that defensive ability in europe that's kind of just her identity as a player so you look at that on paper it's easy to see a way where kk arnold and page kind of squeeze nika out of the lineup but from everything gino has said in the preseason it does not sound like that's going to happen if she has practices like she had today on a consistent basis for the rest of the year then that's a whole new level of nika so I was really proud of her today. What happened during the practice that impressed you? She controlled what we were doing. You know, the, everything that everybody loves about Nika, including me, are the things that we're trying really, really hard to get her to harness. You know, because as she goes, so so is our team going to go. And I need her to have complete control of it. And she's. She was really, really good at that today. Which I don't think necessarily comes as a surprise, right? I think Nika is just such a big part of this team. And, I mean, think about what she accomplished last year. And, of course, it comes with the caveat of, like, you know, Paige being injured and everything else that was going on. But, like, that assist record is still, like, really incredible that she broke it. And I think says a lot about her skill and what she contributes on the floor. And it's not going to come through the box score and, and points scored, but in terms of her her passing abilities and then obviously the defensive end is really hard to measure but I just think you can't like undersell her her presence on that end of the floor as well and her intensity I even just think the overarching I hate this word usually because it's such a cliche word but like the intangibles Mm -hmm. are really what makes Nika great like you try and ask people about like why is Nika so much better? And you just kind of get a shrug back, like, I don't know, but you just know it's better when she's in there. So that's always been the case since she's been at UConn. 
the reason that she's played so much even when Paige was out there is because the team just played better with her there and that's defense that's her energy her intensity multiple years it's been brought up that she really improves the defensive communication obviously her ability to pass she's getting better as an offensive threat to score like by the end of last year she got a really good sense of when to call her number and drive to the rim when the defense was sagging off her maybe not paying her that much attention and then to just look way too much into something that happened in first night she and alex caravan did a i don't even know what it was i just saw the video (laughs) of it but it was some sort of shooting competition and nico was getting the ball going out to the free throw line shooting and she drilled every single shot that she took from the free throw line so that's promising especially when you add the fact that gino had said that night that she had been shooting as well as he's ever seen her shoot before and her confidence in her shot was as good as he's ever seen it before she was really conscientious of which shots she took and she made more shots today than she's made in, in, in a long time so i i think the comfort level that she has right now the confidence that she has is probably the highest it's ever been since she's been yeah that is really promising also like just to me not surprising that if nika was going to participate in some kind of contest that she was going to go out there and win it <laughs> yeah nika doesn't mess around with participation <laughs> yeah <laughs> she, she had no desire to participate in that if her goal was not to win it <laughs> yeah that's again that's what just makes nika the intangible than everyone else. yeah yes <laughs> But I I still do think it's going to be really interesting to see how she fits in with that lineup because Gino's already said Paige is going to be a very ball-dominant player, and she should be. There is no reason Paige shouldn't have the ball in her hands a lot. We She can just do things that no one else on the team and maybe no one else in the country can do. The way that when UConn needs a shot either at the end of a shot clock or a buzzer like or, or a half or even just to stop a run the ball ends up in Paige's hands and it doesn't even matter how she does it because she could close her eyes turn backwards and throw it over her head and she just has that ability to put it in the back of the net in the back of no sorry i'm getting my sports mixed up <laughs> into the net <laughs> Like the South Carolina game is, I think, the best yes. example where she just heaved that three and it went in. And once it took that bounce and started going up, you just kind of thought, oh my God, she's going to put this in because it was Paige. Yeah. <laughs> so how Nika fits into that on the offensive end is going to be really interesting, but I think they'll find their way. And Gino, again, being Gino, was very funny about it all. <laughs> yeah i agree i think it'll work um and it'll obviously be different for them because they've struggled over the last year to have anyone to play the point guard position other than the nika but i do think you know allowing Paige to play off the ball more is not a bad thing obviously and then having her as an option on the ball too she just it'll give them a lot of options to throw different looks at defenses without even changing the lineup yeah just if everyone is healthy and on their game which i know is probably unlikely even in a normal season but you talk about a lineup that has the program single season assist leader at point guard someone who broke 
a Sue Bird record that had stood for over two decades. Sue Bird had a pretty good career in the WNBA, <laughs> if you don't know who she is. Then a National Player of the Year next to her. Then on the other side is someone who was averaging over 20 points a game before she got hurt in AZ FUD. Then Aaliyah Edwards, who's an All-American. So even when you just have those four on the court at the same time, that is a lot of talent and a lot of ability. Then it's either Aubrey Griffin, who was a lot better as a junior coming off that back surgery, and I cannot express enough how much better she looked in Europe compared to anything we've ever seen. Or Caroline Ducharme, who we should never forget how friggin' good she was her freshman year when everybody else was hurt, and she basically put the offense on her back. Or K.K. Arnold, who if you did not watch those games in Europe, oh, you were going to enjoy watching her play in that first exhibition game. She's a lot of fun. Or Caden Samuels, who can just catch fire from three and start draining them. And Ashlyn Shade, who is... Again, I hate comparing her to Gabby Williams, the player, but just the way that Gabby did so many different things on the court, I think Ashlyn has that ability. So if everything is the way it should be and they play and they're healthy and they're playing well, they have so many different options. And I'm sure we're going to get to like December and... I'm going to be able to laugh at myself at, for that statement because this happened and that happened and Cadence hasn't hit a shot in three weeks and KK is doing freshman things and this and that. But on paper, this team is just very, very exciting and it's been exciting on paper for the last couple of years. But you hope that maybe all that bad luck was to get it out of the way before you had a team like this and maybe this is where the luck starts to turn. Exactly. And I think the key is right the, the first four that you mentioned staying healthy. If Nika, Paige, AZ, and Aaliyah are healthy and out there, obviously you need more than just that to win a championship, but there's more flexibility for the other pieces to, you know, the freshmen to, to have ups and downs and things like that. If you've got that, that car floor on the floor every night, they're going to be in really good shape. Even if just Paige is out there. Yeah. We true. saw her also. freshman year. <laughs> just her. That's still a pretty good team. <laughs> <laughs> exactly exactly page and pick your four favorite walk-ons in yukon history and that team <laughs> probably goes to at least the sweet 16 probably the elite eight i mean that's yeah. <laughs> that's basically iowa right <laughs> you're, you're not wrong <laughs> speaking of things that are overrated the first ap poll of the season is going to come out as we're recording this tomorrow morning. So by the time it gets out, I imagine you'll probably know the result of it. It seems pretty safe to say that LSU is going to be the number one. Yeah. And if they're not unanimous, I would have some questions for the people that didn't pick them. Number one, simply because of the logic of who goes number one, you have the national champions. They return their best player, their final four MVP. They pick up, arguably the two best players in the transfer portal and they have a coach that basketball wise is as good as Kim Mulkey there's I I know what I just said about UConn and I think UConn has the highest potential of any team in the country this season but there's no good argument for anyone other than LSU being number one 
Exactly. I mean, LSU should be number one and should stay there until they lose a game. I think that's very fair to say. And it'll probably be a while before they lose a game because they're not really playing anyone in their non-conference. So they're going to be there for a while, I would assume. Okay, this is a little off topic, but it, it connects. I saw this on Twitter, so take this with the largest grain of salt. <laughs> but I saw a lot of people pushing that the SEC was going to be really strong this year. It was going to be the best conference in the country. And I think you look at last year, you had South Carolina. I can't even say anything about LSU considering they won the national championship. But you had those two, and it felt like there's a bit of a drop-off from there. And if, okay, LSU is what we think they'll be, that top team in the country. South Carolina maintains, even let's just call them a top 10 team, without Aliyah Boston, not Edwards. <laughs> who who else is there in that SEC that's going to raise the entire level of that conference and make it one of the better conferences in the country? Because... I genuinely just don't know it. So, I I don't think they're going to be the best conference in the country. I do think they are one of the better ones, though. And I think the two teams that you're leaving out of that is Tennessee. I think people are kind of, after Tennessee disappointed last year, are like don't, are pretty low on Tennessee right now. But they, they bring back um, Rakia Jackson, who was really good, their leading scorer last year. Tamara Key was out last year with the – blood clots in her lungs and couldn't play but she's back they assigned jewel spear from wake forest in the portal they had one of their really good portal pickup that i'm blanking on at the moment so i think tennessee may be flying a little bit under the radar but still could be really good this year and then i think the other team that's at the kind of near the top there is Ole miss and i think you saw the start of that when they they beat stanford in the what was that the Sweet 16. Second round. Second, no, no, second round. They yeah, you're right. Yeah. Yeah, second round. And then I forget who they played after that, that they gave some trouble to, too. They didn't win, but they gave them some trouble. Um, and then they burned back most of that team. So I think they're going to be exciting this year. And then I think you've got some teams like, you know, Mississippi State has some really interesting transfers coming in. They could be good. I like looking on who else I should bring up, but I, I think the top four there and then like Mississippi state is like a, another really intriguing team um, is, is a really solid group. I would still say I'd probably put the big 10 and the, the Pac 12 ahead of them in terms of like who are the best conferences in the country, but the SEC is going to be up there. Last year, the Pac 12. Sad. Been. It's like, honestly, the Pac 12 might be the most interesting conference in the country. And it's a little bit depressing that it's the last year. I also just love the Pac 12. So I am sad to see it go away. How do you think the current teams in the Big Ten are going to deal with these Pac 12 teams coming in? Do you think, like, the coaches or the programs have to sign agreements that they're not going to play defense as soon as they become members of the Big Ten? <laughs> That should be very interesting, yeah. I just think it'll be, especially like you look at a team like UCLA that like so much of their game plan hangs on defense. Like that, they are not the best offensive team by far, but their defense gets it done. So yeah, it'll be fascinating. I think it's also like an interesting time not to jump ahead to next year for like UCLA and USC to be joining the conference, and that they're both teams that have had these like really big, you know, recruiting classes over the last two years, and like are are going to be competitive as soon as they join the Big Ten. Yeah. 
next year is going to be wildly open because I think Angel Reese will be is a senior, right? She'll be gone. She's a junior. She's a she's junior, a junior. Really? Yeah, I'm pretty sure she's a junior. Okay, maybe LSU will be favorites. Never mind. Yeah. <laughs> but like, well, Caitlin but Clark's like, gone. yeah. Well, in theory, in maybe. Theory, yeah, so... I think that's the hard part. Is like, it's so hard to tell who stays and who goes. Because like, I think like Angel's a junior, but she could leave. And then everyone has all these extra years. Like, Caitlin could leave or stay. Paige could leave or stay. Like, there's just so many question marks. I think we have two years, right? That for the most part, most of the COVID years are going to be out besides anyone who redshirted like, mm-hmm. like a page, right? Yep. Yep. And like Aubrey in theory could come back next year too, right? Because she's got a redshirt and a COVID. I think so. Yep. Yeah. It'll be, it'll be a lot more simpler to talk about the future after that's all finished agreed especially it's just going to be such a different landscape because so many teams kind of build around these fifth year transfers because they're available but that entire market is going to be dry i mean i imagine it's got to be drying up every year there's one less class every year that has that extra fifth year but that'll be a pretty substantial change to the sport yeah, agreed. It'll be very interesting. I I would like to point out that I did not forget Tennessee. Uh, did Tennessee have a coaching change this off season? No, that's fair. <laughs> yeah, they that's have the talent. Like we'll see if it comes so to Holly Warlick's teams. Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> I mean, uh, these Tennessee teams are far less. Yeah. The uh, the off the court stuff seems to be rolling a lot better for Tennessee under Kelly Harper than they were in in those last years under Holly Warlick. But it's not like Tennessee's downfall this past year was anything that... talent, yeah. Yeah, it's not like people didn't predict that it was coming. Yeah, that's fair. No, I feel like I'm probably higher on them than most people, but I just think they have the pieces, and I think things are a little bit more open this year than they were last year. I am just in a mode with them where they got to prove it. Yeah. You got to show that think, you can actually do it fair. before people will uh, buy stock. Yeah. Again. I would say regardless, they're probably going to be like a top 15 team though. So when you're talking yeah, about yeah, yeah. The, the top conferences in the country, right? Like how many conferences they're going to have three, four teams that might be top 15 teams. Cause I think Ole Miss could be in that conversation too. The Big East would be happy to have three teams that are ranked at any point. Yeah. Where do you think UConn lands on that preseason poll? I feel like they should be number they two. Should, but They absolutely should be number two. I wouldn't be shocked if they don't land there. Like, that's absolutely where they should be. And it really shouldn't be a question mark. It should probably be everyone unanimously puts LSU one and puts UConn two. I don't know if that's what's going to happen. But, um... Yeah, I could see UConn landing at three with iowa probably at number two yeah i could see that happening (laughs) whatever (laughs) because look the team that was in the national championship game last year up they were number two last year is caitlin clark still there yep okay well number two yeah 
exactly. The logic it is doesn't right matter. There. Yeah, it's right there. It doesn't matter that they lost Monica Sinano and McKenna Warnock. There are other two players that did anything, but yeah. <laughs> eh. They lost half a player who could do something in Monica Sinano. You got to play both <laughs> yeah. ends of the floor. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> I do but, think Iowa has a lot of questions to answer, but yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's always fun just to have that one. I remember it was the year after Stewie. So this was my first full year on the beat. The big conversation was, oh my God, where are they going to put UConn? Is UConn going to be outside the top five for the first time in <laughs> however long? And I think they came in at number three Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I think it was three for some reason. That's sticking in my head. And then they just picked up being the best team in the country. Yeah. Like it was nothing. <laughs> I don't think we talk about how crazy that that is enough. That they lost the greatest player in college history. Along with two other All-Americans. And then just went undefeated again. And only lost on a buzzer beater in like this huge upset. Otherwise they would have rolled to that national championship. Yeah. That it's is, crazy. that's still incredible to me. Yeah, it is absolutely insane when you stop for five seconds and think about it. So, yeah. Anyways, that'll be out at noon ET on Monday. On Wednesday, we got game four of the WNBA Finals. It looked like the first two games did not go well for WNBA MVP Brianna Stewart, Stephanie Dolson, and the Liberty they bounce back in game three with another blowout victory. All of these games have been blowouts. And Chelsea Gray gets injured during the game, leaves, does not look good. Looks like the Aces could be without her. So what goes from looking like a series that could be a sweep now looks like a series that could be a sweep in its own way if if the Liberty can pull this off. I mean, the Aces without Chelsea Gray, that is a big loss especially considering the heroics that she put up last year in the playoffs yeah well i think what the big difference maker in the, in the first two games for the aces and why they won by so much was the guards and it was the way that chelsea gray and jackie young were playing and if you take half of that away i think that's it's a huge blow to where the aces had their advantage because i think even with asia wilson on the aces like New York has an advantage inside because you have Stewie and John Paul Jones. Like, that's really hard to compete with. But the Aces guards were able to kind of make up for that difference when you take half of that out. I, I don't know. It's hard. That makes it really difficult for the Aces. Yeah. And it's only a five-game series. It's not like you're digging out of a 3-0 hole where, like, right. they have no room for error, but they only have to win one more game and it's a winner take all game. Exactly. That is not that big of a task to ask, especially for a Brianna Stewart led team. Yeah. Stewie knows a thing or two about winner take all games. <laughs> yeah. And the fact that Stewie played so bad in those first two games, that may end up being a bad thing for the aces. Yeah. <laughs> Agreed. So. Yeah, I feel like we're going to get five games now, especially if Chelsea Gray is not able to play, which, I mean, obviously, hopefully she's okay, but it just it didn't look good. No, anytime you can't put weight on anything in the immediate aftermath is not a good thing. Yeah. 
either way, though, a UConn player is guaranteed to win another ring, whether it's Kia Stokes getting her second in a row or Brianna Stewart and Stephanie Dolson. So it's a win-win in that regard. <laughs> exactly. On that note, that'll do it for this episode of Chasing Perfection. Thanks for listening. <laughs>